0: The List- La Petrullo de Minas de California. Weather headlines for today, yes.
1: Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator Podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell.
0: Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to talk about product management in big tech versus startups. Joining us is Kartik Suresh, who is the co-founder at Ignition, which is a collaborative hub for marketing and product teams to plan execute, and measure the go-to-market side of launching. So far this week, Kartik and I have talked about leading product development at early stage versus tech giants and avoiding bottlenecks with product launches. And today, we're going to wrap up our conversation by talking about securing venture funding. Okay, here's my conversation with Kartik Suresh, the co-founder at Ignition. Kartik, welcome back.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me back. So
0: multi-time founder, and I have to say, you have been through the pain of funding, venture funding and securing funding. So here's my perspective on things to kick our conversation off, Kartik. My experience through lots of friends who have been founders is that venture funding isn't a panacea. And for many founders, it's not the automatic part of the plan that it used to be, right? It was sort of part of the playbook. And for those that plan to pursue venture funding, I guess my question for you, my opening question is, how early do they need to think you know, start thinking about whether they're going to go for funding or not? Is that the moment they're on the napkin, the famous napkin designing their new product? Like how early on should you be thinking about this?
1: Yeah, so for ventures, venture funding, you need to understand like the how the venture funds operate, right? So they, let's say they have a $50 million seed fund. What they are promising their investors is like they'll at least do like 3X, which means what they want to do is they want to invest like, let's say like about 2 million in like, some 25, 30 companies, and then hopefully one of them hits like a 20x, 30x, or even 100x.
0: So, risk arbitrage, they've got a pool. They figure one of these companies has got to make it work. We're going to give you two to $3 million.
1: Exactly. So, and then they expect this company to be like 100x, and that's when they, make, you know, they can make it big for their investors. So, the question for you is that when you approach, a venture capital investors. It's like, do you think your business you know, has the potential to grow 100x, right? So there's so many businesses. Some are lifestyle businesses. Some are really good businesses where you know you definitely grow steady, steadily, you know, like 10, 20 percent year over year. But if you really think this is a, you know, you're going after a large market. And you have a product which you believe can, has the potential to grow, like initially like 5X and then 3X and then 2X consistently year over year, and going to be a, a very large business. That's when you actually approach uh, venture capital investors, right? And, and and that's the first step. Then the second step is like when you, and also like even before you uh, approach VCs, I'm, I'm guessing like the way you want to do it is first you want to have like some kind of an MVP, like some kind of a prototype of your product. You do your research, you approach, you know, your your target users, and then do at least some basic test to make sure this is a real pain point. Spend a lot of time in user research. Talk to at least like 50 potential users and actually validate the pain point. And, and also when you validate the pain point, a lot of the time when you talk to your friends and family, they will just be saying, yes, yes, I love it. But you know, make sure you filter the noise over the truth, <laughs> and then actually find out whether it's a painkiller or a vitamin. Only if it's a painkiller, then proceed. So you need to do your own homework and you know ba- the basic groundwork before you actually think it can be a venture venture scale business. And once you've validated this, the typical approach is like, okay, then you maybe raise a friends and family now. You must go to you know your old boss, or your 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 rich uncle, or whatever you need to do to you know raise your initial. 50 to 100 k in capital, so you can build. Again, I'm talking from a tech perspective, but it could apply to other industries. But from a tech perspective, you probably hire your one engineer and then maybe build a prototype, and you you do the design yourself, you mock up and you wireframe, and then get at least some kind of a working prototype, so that you can get back to those users and then say, hey, is this is now does this solve your problem? Because you use your first conversations to validate the problem. Now you're thinking about whether to solve the problem, and when you get positive feedback. And that's when you think of, like, typically what people do is, like, go raise a pre-seed round. So they can either raise a pre-seed round or they can go join any of these accelerators, right? So we have, you know, there's Y Combinator, there's OnDeck, there's Entrepreneurs First, there's Techstar, there's, there's South Park Commons. There's a lot of them. Obviously, like, I would always recommend go for the top 10% because there's also an explosion of accelerators and not everyone's going to help because they do take significant equity from you. They take almost, like, 7% equity from it. And that's a typical path which uh, a lot of the startups take. And the reason they take that path is because, you know, they it actually takes away one you know, of the biggest pains of company building, which is like fundraising, because these people have connections to pretty much every venture capital firm and they can put you in front of all these people on a demo day, right? So then the other the alternative approach is like you raise a pre-seed fund, and this is what we did. at each. So if it's our own story, right? And also we did the same thing at my previous startup at Kraft. What we did is like we, once we validated the problem and we had a prototype, we then went and raised a pre-seed round. Typically you raise like a million, half a million to a million dollars as a pre-seed. And you use that money to, you know, get to an actual usable product because you only had like a a prototype to play with. Now you actually build, I would say a minimum, like a lovable product, which is not an MVP, but it's actually like usable, something which you can, you know, actually take to your boss or your company and say, hey, this is a cool product, try it out. You need to start getting those feelings.
0: So you, you, we've almost got a logic tree you need to, to have in your mind as a founder, right? The logic tree starts with, do we think have a business that is likely to grow rapidly? If not, is it a lifestyle business or is it a good steady business that's gonna have good incremental growth? If it's a lifestyle business or a good incremental growth business, that's not bad. Those are good things, but don't go through venture funding because guess what? Your valuations are never gonna meet and guess what? You're gonna hit a wall. So don't do that. The next is decide, through the process of raising friends and family funding, can I prove that my product and business model is effective enough that I could potentially go and think about a combinator? Why would I jump in with a combinator? Well, I get economies of scale and I get expertise I wouldn't have otherwise. If I can graduate there, by the way, lots of exposure, demo days as an example, potentially I get my first customer set out of those. So I've done all that homework. Right? Take me to the point, Cartique, that I've done all that homework, I'm through the logic tree, I've made it through the Y combinator in this case, and I'm getting my first customer set. I'm having to make compromise. You just mentioned a compromise a moment ago. The combinator is to take 7% of your value. Now we're really in for the big poker game, right? Now we're putting a lot of chips in because I'm gonna trade capital from you, my venture pal, for value in the company. In other words, I'm gonna give you a stake in the company. There's a whole other logic tree there, right? Before we jump into that tree, though, what I want to ask that you can provide advice to future founders listening in on this call is, at that point, what else am I testing for? What else am I looking for to make sure that I should be going out and looking for that venture funding? Did a great job of outlining on prior episodes, be prepared with your business model early on when it comes to development, and think about your go-to-market motions early on is that a point where you're actually doing that double check critique and you're going, okay, man, I've gone through all these gates. Can I actually make the business hum?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, you, you, this is a time when you're coming up with this whole business plan and the go-to-market is a critical part of your, and also you're thinking about go-to-market for your company as a whole, not just a single product or a feature. So, you know, there's, there's so many things you're thinking about, right. When you, when you're thinking about you know, raising, especially venture firms. And as you said, once you get onto the treadmill, there is no return. Like once you're on it, you, you need to like, you, once you're on the treadmill, that's it. Like you need to like, you know, grow fast, you know, sell fast, go to grow bigger, raise more money at higher valuation. And, you know, there's like, so you first, the first decision is like, really, do you want venture fund? Because once you, once you hop on the treadmill, you can't stop it. <laughs> so that's the first part. The second part, now that you've decided, okay, I do want to go after venture funding, which I because I think my business is going to be like really huge. Then, you know, there's, there's so many different aspects of of the business to think about. One, uh, you know, obviously the product, the, the, the product of the user, you know, what problem are you solving? And is the product actually going to solve the problem? And is the problem a painkiller or a vitamin? And then you talk about okay, now I have a product. Now okay, how do I go to get the product in the hands of the users? That's exactly what your go-to-market plan look like. So what channels am I going to use? What model am I going to use? I'm going to use a, a product-led growth model, or I'm going to hire a sales team. So what does that look like? What does your whole business process look like? So once you figure that out, then you think about okay, what what are the resources I need, or how much money I need, who I need to hire you know, all recruiting, all of that, in order to, so what resources I need to actually build the product and then sell the product to get it in the hands of the people, So think about the resources. And then you say, okay, so in order to do all of these, I need like X million dollars in funding and this is how I want to spend it. And then you create a pitch deck out of these where you outline your vision, outline what, what the problems you are solving, what the product is and how, the, how it solves the problem and then what do I go-to-market is, and then how much money I need, what resources I need to invest in. And, and that's what you go and raise your venture money.
0: Right. And boy, that pitch is not a single pitch, right? You're talking about 10, 20, 30, an amazing number of pitches. The good news is recently capital got cheap. Now, with inflation, capital is not as cheap as it was before. But there was a lot of funding floating out there. So those, those pitch rounds probably got reduced a bit. But I also imagine that one of the other things you got to think about, and, and the movie's coming to mind, critique, and it's a bit of a famous movie, but it's Goodfellas, way back from the early 90s. And there was a moment when somebody decided to bring the mob in as an investor to their business. And, you know, the narrator is talking about, you know what, you always have to pay the mob. And I won't use the colorful language that that narrator used. Ray Liotta recently departed, basically <laughs> said, hey, guess what? My kid's sick. I don't care. Pay me. Hey, the building burnt down. I don't care. Pay me. That's really the treadmill really you're getting on with a venture capitalist. It's like, hey, we hit a bottleneck with product development. I don't care, fix it. Right? In other words, pay me. I've given you money. You've got to show results. Are there things that you look back with your career and say, I had those mob moments, if you will, where I could have said no and stopped and taken another direction that you can share with the audience
1: today? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a great question. So you want to take a take a little bit of a step back on just on the on the fundraising? Itself, you know. A lot of the times when you when you actually fundraise at an early stage, a lot of it's just storytelling. A lot of it is about creating fomo This fear of missing out. It's like basically it's almost like a drama or a show you're putting on. A lot of investors say that oh we are conviction-driven investors. We, we are thesis-driven investors. It's it's not true. It's every, most of it's just driven. It's like oh, anti is investing in you. Take my money oh, this famous angel is investing in you, take my money. So another big skill set you need if you're raising venture funding is being able to drive up this FOMO. Like you need to have, as I said, like 30 to 40 meetings and you need to have all of that over like two to three week period and being able to drive FOMO so that, hey, if you don't invest today, have this other investor waiting to invest. And that's a critical part of the process to actually get the money in. And then obviously that's, the, that's where the mob comes in. <laughs>
0: I want to pause on that because I think it's such a really good point. At the end of the day, venture capitalists are people and they have a long history of deciding against certain investments. In fact, I think the most helpful thing that venture capitalists could do is to list all the investments they passed on that turned into great big success stories. And I will tell you, I've got a few of my friends in the venture world who are like, we passed on Salesforce, right? Like those things, it was because of this, right? So it's almost in many ways you're kind of pitching to that fear base, this understanding that, guess what? Do your homework, they didn't invest in Salesforce or Google or name it. That's really what you're saying here at the end of the day, Karthik.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you are be at the next Salesforce. Are you sure you don't want to invest? I mean, I, I love this venture for, I think it's Bessemer. They have an anti-portfolio on their website. They literally list all the companies they missed and you can just see like so many of them in the fortune finding list. So it's as you said, this is clearly people. And especially at later stage, you have metrics, right? You have revenue metrics. And if it's a SaaS company, you have the whole SaaS metrics. So you're investing based on the data. And even though, even though people and team is still an important part of that equation, but early stage, you have none of them. It's purely like, I'm just trusting you. I'm just giving you like $3 million because I believe in you. That you're going to actually build what you claim you're going to build, so it becomes more of a relationship game, and you know the trust building, relationship building, marketing, and former generation, like all of those, those are the skill sets you really need at the early stage of the company to actually you know raise a successful funding round.
0: <laughs> well, Kartik, I have to say, based on our conversations we've had over the last few days, I'm even more convinced than founders are just plumb crazy. We talked about just how incredibly hard it is, and the differences in development cycles and skill sets necessary for a scrappy startup versus a large tech firm. And the skill sets, by the way, you need them no matter where you are, small firm versus large firm. And today we talked about how do we dig in and actually get organizations to give us money based on creating FUD and fear and doubt of missing out. These are not easy jobs. Well, so I would say this, a critique. Congratulations to you on being a multi-time founder. And I'm sorry, but I do think you're completely nuts.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I enjoyed the conversation.
0: Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Kartik Suresh, co-founder at Ignition for joining us today. If you would like to contact Suresh or learn more about him, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile on our show notes, or you can visit his company website at haveignition.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live in the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed on the next business day. Okay. That's all for today, but until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.